The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, formerly the Wellness Community and Gilda's Club. The Wellness Community recently joined forces with Gilda's Club to become the Cancer Support Community, likely the largest provider of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. On today's show, which is being brought to you by Merck, Millennium, Morphotech, and Novartis Oncology, we're going to talk about a side effect of cancer treatment that most people think of when they think of chemotherapy, nausea and vomiting. We are joined by two guests who are here today to educate us not only on how to to treat these symptoms, but also how to prevent them. Before we jump into our topic today, we're going to move to a segment we call Cancer in the News, which highlights the latest cancer headlines. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. Only one in a hundred women with symptoms typical of ovarian cancer, such as persistent bloating or pelvic pain, actually has the disease, researchers recently reported. Several medical societies recommend the use of these and other symptoms to detect ovarian cancer early before it spreads, but the new study found no evidence that symptoms could speed up detection. As with all cancers, doctors are searching for ways to diagnose this cancer earlier. However, this study suggests that it's going to be hard to move the diagnosis of ovarian cancer forward. The study involved some 800 women who had been treated for ovarian cancer. Researchers asked these women about the symptoms they had before their diagnosis and then compared their answers to those of a controlled group of more than 1,300 women without cancer. About 60 to 70 percent of the cancer patients had experienced symptoms almost daily for more than a few weeks during the year leading up to their diagnosis. The symptoms were most frequent in patients diagnosed with late-stage cancers, and the majority of the women only began experiencing symptoms a few months before their diagnosis. However, they estimate that 100 women with symptoms would need to be evaluated to detect one with ovarian cancer. Among women without ovarian cancer, only 6% had persistent symptoms, but because the disease is rare, chances are that women with symptoms don't have it. In the United States, ovarian cancer kills more than 14,000 women every year, according to the American Cancer Society, and experts estimate that about 1 in 2,500 American women has the disease without being aware of it. Still, women are advised against routine screening because the tests frequently turn up false positives and have been shown to trigger a large number of unnecessary surgeries. The current study argues for a cautious approach to the use of symptom patterns to trigger extensive medical evaluation for ovarian cancer. While doctors agree that women with persistent symptoms should see a physician, they should be aware that it is unlikely to be ovarian cancer. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. 
It is uh, no secret that cancer treatments take a toll on the body. Uh, Whether a patient undergoes surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy, there are serious side effects from all of these treatments. One of the most common is nausea and vomiting. In movies and in television, people who receive chemo almost always deal with nausea and vomiting. But today, we're here to tell you that this isn't always the case. Through methods of prevention and and careful planning with your healthcare team, there are ways to avoid uh, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Um, And so we're going to talk about that today. We've got uh, two guests who are with us to walk us through this. Uh, First, we have Bruce Lantry. Bruce is a cancer survivor with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Bruce is a participant in the Cancer Support Community and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's online support groups, and he's here with us today to share his story. Thanks for being here, Bruce. You're welcome. And then we have Linda Miller. Linda is an oncology nurse and an oncology clinical educator at at Georgetown University Hospital. She's a dear friend of the cancer support community with whom we've worked for many years. Welcome, Linda. Thank you for inviting me, Kim. Well, you know, we've got a lot to cover on today's show. It's an important topic, so um, we're going to jump right in. Um, Bruce, I'm going to start with you. Will you take us back to the day that you received your cancer diagnosis? What was going on in your life at that point, and and what was it like for you to hear those words, you have cancer? Well, actually, it was just a year ago last Friday that I was diagnosed, and I had, (coughs) excuse me, I had gone in mainly to have my hearing looked at because it wasn't doing what it was supposed to and my color was very poor and you know I was tired and weak. So they did a blood test and then came back and my doctor said, you have acute leukemia and I nearly passed out because I knew what that meant. I'd had you know relatives and friends who died from that leukemia, but of course before there were some of the more modern treatments But I think the main reaction was just that of deep shock, because that isn't what I went in for, and that's what I got. So. Yeah, yeah. And how old are you, Bruce? I'm now 63. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now it's been a year since your diagnosis. It's been just a year, correct, Jess. And I did. I started treatments last March, so it's it's essentially a year all the way around. What kind of treatment did you? Uh, what kind of treatment did you get? So once you were diagnosed, tell us tell us how that unfolded. What was the what was the treatment plan? And and did you did your healthcare team talk with you about the possibility of, of nausea as a as a side effect of your treatment? Yes, I mean I was originally you know I had to end up with the surgery to have a port put in so that we could easily administer the chemotherapy drugs, and then I was told what those drugs would be. We did talk some about possible side effects, and needless to say, the the most common one mentioned was the nausea and vomiting, and the plan was that if the preventive drug was given at the beginning of treatment, then I should not experience much nausea, whereas if they waited until I was having you know, severe nausea and vomiting, then the aloxy, which is the drug that you're given during chemo, wouldn't work. But I was given, mine, because it was leukemia, I was given three days of chemo every 28 days for six months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So say that again, three days of chemo. Correct, three days of chemo. And the first one is a long one, six to eight hours. And mm-hmm. then the second and third days, I was given 
just the chemotherapy drugs, and that was an hour and a half to two hours each day. And for how many months was that? And I had six treatments, which is the standard for chronic leukemia. Mm -hmm. And so you went through six cycles of Mm -hmm. nausea, you know, induced by the chemo drugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda, let's back up for a minute so folks really understand what what we're talking about here. Um, Because, again, when we do think of chemotherapy, we do think of nausea and vomiting. So so let's let's back up. What is chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, and, and, and why does it happen? Why does it happen to folks who are taking chemo? Well, Pam, chemotherapy-induced nausea, um, and because that's a mouthful. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> we often abbreviate that as CIN or CINV, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically just feeling sick to your stomach, right. and it's the result of the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So some people will experience the nausea, Others will have nausea and vomiting, and some people experience dry heaves where their body's trying to vomit even though their stomach is empty. And we talk about chemo-induced nausea to distinguish it from other types of nausea that occur in patients who have cancer. So someone who has cancer um, that affects their stomach or their intestines, um, they might be nauseated because of the location of their tumor. Mm-hmm. Other cancer treatments like radiation can also cause nausea. Mm-hmm. Um, and even people who are taking narcotics for cancer pain um, may have nausea as a side effect of those medications that they're taking. Mm-hmm. But chemo-induced nausea um, typically occurs while you're receiving chemotherapy right afterwards or even days later. And um, why does it occur? Yeah, why does it occur? Interesting question. Um, yeah. It happens because there are receptors in your digestive system and in your brain that sense that there's a foreign substance, Mm -hmm. and that foreign substance is chemotherapy entering your body. Mm -hmm. And in a fairly complex signaling system, the brain, and specifically a part of the brain that's actually called the vomiting center, gets the message that there's a toxin on board. Mm -hmm. And so as a protective mechanism the brain releases chemicals that trigger nausea and also trigger the vomiting reflex. And that's to get rid of the toxin? Exactly. Uh huh. And that's a natural reaction of the body. Right, a natural protective mechanism. Now, it's interesting with cancer, isn't it, because we're used to taking medicine to make us feel better, <laughs> right? I think a lot of illnesses, we feel ill, and then we take medicine and it helps us to feel better. But with cancer, we know certainly a lot of folks don't even feel ill or have any symptoms. Obviously, Bruce did talk about some of the symptoms uh, that he experienced, but we know in a lot of cases folks don't even uh, experience any symptoms. Maybe their cancer shows up on some kind of test or, or screening, and then suddenly we kind of whack them with these toxins, this chemotherapy, and someone who wasn't sick before suddenly gets sick. How do folks cope with that? Linda. Um, well, I, you know, clearly people are coping with a lot. Yeah. And to add the nausea to it is just um, just a bit too much. So really our goal, as, as Bruce mentioned, his, his team's goal was to prevent the nausea. Right. And I think it's a very debilitating side effect. Yeah. I mean, I think most people would tell you that they hate being nauseated. Yeah. Um, they would do almost anything to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, is it... Is it pretty much guaranteed that if you're going to get chemotherapy, you're going to experience 
nausea and vomiting? No, absolutely not. And and you really touched on it, Kim, because if you got all your information about chemo from Hollywood, then yeah. you definitely, every time there's a character in a movie who gets chemotherapy, right. they are always throwing up. Um, right. But many, many chemotherapy drugs, and especially the newer drugs, do not have nausea as a side effect. So approximately half of the chemotherapy drugs that are now in use don't cause any nausea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about other forms of, of, of treatment besides chemotherapy? I know we see some of these new, new targeted therapies coming out, new forms of treatment. Are, are these new treatments ca- causing nausea and vomiting too, Linda? They're much less likely to. They have an entirely different constellation of side effects, mm-hmm. but nausea is not usually one of them. Mm-hmm. But, but are they more, more, more serious or less serious side effects, would you say? Um, they're different. Different. Um, I, I think most people would in general say the side effects for the newer targeted therapy type of drugs are milder. Mm-hmm. But I think the really important thing to remember is that even if your chemotherapy drug does cause nausea, it can almost always be prevented with the extensive anti-nausea medications that we have available now. Mm-hmm. And I've been working in oncology nursing for quite a while, and I re- can remember when we had one drug available, mm. and it was incredibly ineffective. And mm. so I'm just really passionate about controlling nausea now because we just have so many more drugs that are available to us. We've really come a long way. We have come a very long way. So it's not even just a matter of making you comfortable if you're experiencing these things. It's really as a matter of getting out ahead of it and and, and preventing some of these things from happening in the first place. Absolutely. Um, Bruce, we're going to go to a break in just a minute or two, but um, you mentioned that you just had your year anniversary from when you were were diagnosed. with uh, uh, with your illness, with uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, um, how's that feel getting to that year mark? Well, it's good to still be here since I was at stage four when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, without treatment, I probably wouldn't still be here at this point. And uh, I was lucky, as you know, Linda has pointed out, some of us don't get many of the side effects. And I really didn't get much. I did have nausea with all six treatments, but it was controllable. And so I was able to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just glad to still be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, too. Are you, are you, getting, uh, are you getting any treatments now or any, uh, uh, any follow-up at this point, Bruce? Well, actually, at the moment, I'm in a room at the Callahan Cancer Center in North they were kind enough to let me use one so I wouldn't be in the car with the dogs. <laughs> but I'm here as a, you know, for follow-up today, but my actual chemo treatments ended in early August of last year. Great. And you're feeling so, pretty well? Yeah. I'm, the main thing, of course, I think that I'm experiencing is something that most people do, and that is the fatigue yeah. that comes after the chemotherapy because your body is You've been beat up it's a little bit. worn huh? down by all those yeah. chemicals over six months. Yeah, so you've got to build that back up. Um, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Today we're talking about how to, how to really manage uh, nausea and vomiting as a result of chemotherapy, a common side effect uh, from chemotherapy. But we're really learning today there are ways to take control 
uh, of the nausea and vomiting, ways to prevent it, uh, ways to manage it uh, through, uh, through medication and other interventions. So um, we are just going to take a quick break right here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, really a pretty major side effect from chemotherapy. Uh, We're offering tips and advice on how to cope with and and prevent this very common side effect from cancer treatment. We're here today with Bruce Landry, a cancer patient and participant in the Cancer Support Community and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's online support group, and we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, Bruce's experience in the online group. Uh, We also have today Linda Miller, an oncology nurse and oncology clinical educator at Georgetown University Hospital. Um, Bruce, let's go back uh, to your experience for those folks who are uh, just joining us on the show today. Bruce Lantry uh, is a cancer survivor. He had uh, stage 4 chronic uh, lymphocytic leukemia, went through treatment in 2009, last week celebrated a, a year since his cancer diagnosis, um, and you talked to us a little bit about your your uh, your treatment schedule uh, in 2009, Bruce. But for those who are just joining us, when did you, when did you begin experiencing nausea uh, during your treatment? You said you had you had six uh, a, a pretty intense series of of, of six three day treatments over the course of several months. Um, uh, how was it in the beginning? When did you start experiencing nausea? Um, during your treatment, and, um, and and how did you cope with it? How did you work with your, your medical team to, to handle those symptoms and side effects? Well, actually, I started having nausea the minute they started uh, with the first infusion of drugs. Mm. Uh, it was, you know, relatively mild, but it was present, yeah. and it would stay present for up to about 10 to 14 days after the beginning of treatment, in other words, about a week after the end of each treatment, it would finally clear and go away. Now, my medical team um, did give me a drug 
for each treatment, sometimes at the very beginning, sometimes just before the second set of actual chemotherapy drugs, um, to prevent the nausea, which did help. Um, I did not have you know, severe nausea at any time, and I also was given a prescription for one of the drugs that you can take you know, once every six hours or so if you are experiencing worse nausea when you go home, for instance, after the treatment. And yeah. I, for the first treatment, I did try using that and found that it didn't make much difference because the nausea wasn't strong enough to be any great problem. So I discontinued using the the prescription drug at home until, oddly enough, the last two treatments, mm-hmm. my body was apparently saying, I've had enough because the nausea did get to the point of vomiting. But even with that, I was able to take only one or two pills a day and it would shut the, the vomiting for certain back down, even though the mild nausea would remain. Yeah, yeah. So, so Linda, would you say Bruce's experience with the nausea is normal? Uh, I mean, in terms of experiencing, you know, kind of worse symptoms towards the end of his treatment, um, you know, just, just curious about that and why, why that would happen. Well, it's certainly not unusual. Okay. Um, I mean, the goal is early proactive treatment to stop the nausea before it gets started, and it sounds like Bruce's team was right on target with that. Um, we can actually predict which drugs are going to cause the most nausea. Mm. So I can consult a table and see that Bruce is going to receive these drugs and 90% of the people who receive this drug will get nauseated. Mm. Um, So the strategy is planned in accordance with how severe Mm -hmm. the nausea, the anticipated nausea will be. And we can be looking at very aggressive regimens of up to three medications to prevent nausea. Wow. Um, and one thing for people to know once they go home and, and have a prescription for medication, as Bruce did, is um, that sometimes it's not best to wait until you experience nausea before you take the medication. So it's not like a pain pill. Mm. You know, I'm not going to take it. The doctor gives me a prescription for a pain pill, and I take it when I have pain. For, with some of those chemotherapy drugs that that very definitely cause nausea, we want people to take that medication every six hours for the next three days, Mm. regardless of how they're feeling. But sometimes this doesn't get explained. And Mm. so I'll, someone will, a patient will take their, have their first um, cycle of chemotherapy and they'll think, I'm a little nauseated, but it's not so bad. I don't think I need to take this medicine. Um, Unfortunately, if it is one of those drugs that does cause nausea and we don't treat it, the nausea just gets progressively worse with each cycle. So it's hard to catch up, so to speak. It's hard it's to get out in front of it once, it once it kicks in. Right. And even worse, there's a, a subset of chemo-induced nausea that's called anticipatory nausea. Uh-huh. What is that? Well, it's my brain saying, I had chemo last week or last month, and I got nauseated. So I'm getting chemo this week. I'm going to get nauseated. Mm-hmm. And is that, is that what we call psychosomatic? Well, yeah, I hate the term psychosomatic, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but it, it is, it's kind of your cerebral cortex. It's uh-huh. your brain saying, hmm, you right. know, chemo equals nausea. I'm still in the parking lot yeah. of my cancer center, but I'm throwing up because my brain associates chemo with nausea. 
I've had people tell me, Linda, that even, even months after they finish their cancer treatment, they'll drive by that hospital and feel ill. I have had a friend who was in the local grocery store and met a former patient, and they had had a wonderful relationship, and the poor woman took one look at the nurse and <laughs> headed off to the ladies' room at the grocery store because she just looked at her and she just wanted to throw up. Uh, has anyone ever told you that, Linda? I look at you and I just want to throw up. <laughs> Fortunately, that wasn't me. It's just my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we can have a little humor in the conversation today, but that's an amazing, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. Well, our, bo- you know, our brains and our bodies get used to those patterns don't they? Absolutely. And we don't want that pattern. We don't want to have that association of nausea, chemotherapy. So do they start giving the drugs sometimes even before they give the chemotherapy? Or how are the, are the drugs administered through IV or through pills? Or tell us a little more, Linda. Um, typically, patients who are getting a chemotherapy that's known to cause nausea will get a, a cocktail of medications often intravenously, but sometimes oral medications, Mm -hmm. Um, intravenously about an hour or a half an hour prior to receiving their chemotherapy. So those drugs have already started to work. Uh Uh-huh. And then they might send the patient home with some pills? Yes. And say, keep on top of this every six hours? Right. Depending on what the chemo drug is, we know that, you know, this drug is going to cause chemo or cause nausea for the next three days. So take these medications around the clock for the next three days. And what about this, this, let's go back to what Bruce was saying, that, that he really had the, 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 the worst symptoms towards the end of, of his treatment. What's that about? Typically, and I have to say it doesn't sound like this was the case in, uh-huh. um, for Bruce, but right. typically we see that when somebody is undertreated to begin with. Mm-hmm. So someone doesn't get the most... Their drug indicates that they should get the most aggressive regimen of anti-nausea medications, but they don't re- they don't receive it. Mm, okay, okay. Is it have anything to do with the the fact that the chemotherapy is um, accumulating in your body or building up so that there's more of it in you or staying in you? Uh, I, that that's absolutely true too. Okay. Um, the the side effects accumulate along with the drug. So not only not only the nausea side effect, but other side effects could accumulate as well. Definitely other side effects. So, so as you know, Bruce is saying, it's taken a little time to really bounce back from, you know, that he's been, he's been hit with this really intensive treatment and it's taken some time to bounce back, managing the fatigue, you know, dealing with some of these other issues to try to get back to uh, some kind of uh, normal feeling. Fatigue is a side effect that very much lingers. Lingers, lingers. Um, Bruce, did you... Aside from really sounds like working closely with your team and they had a good plan in place to help get out in front of the nausea and, and not really let it um, take control of you, did you ever try anything besides the drugs to help prevent or control nausea? I know there are a lot of different kind of natural r- remedies out there to help manage um, nausea. Did you ever look into anything like that? Not a whole lot. My oncologist had suggested not trying any of some of, say, the herbal remedies, you know, herbal teas were fine, and some of them, like chamomile, sometimes do sort of help coat your stomach, it seems, and settle the nausea some. The main thing I did, uh, you know, Linda was mentioning the fact of association with chemo, and uh I've got to have nausea because it's chemo. I just tried not to play into that sort of thing. I remember when I got the sheets listing the drugs and some of the side effects, and some of them are enough to make you think it isn't 
anything you really want to do. <laughs> and um, instead, I decided I'm not going to read this stuff. I'm going to go in and take whatever happens and deal with it, but I'm not going to play the game of, you know, I didn't get that symptom. What's wrong? It's not doing what it's supposed to. Mm, yeah. So I still don't have those kinds of associations with chemo, but admittedly for me, until near the end, as the chemicals probably were building up, I really had just a mild level of nausea, and one of the main things I did was, other than for the, you know, a day or two after the treatment, I might stay in bed. I got up and worked around the house or out in the yard, and just something to keep my mind occupied and off the fact that I felt queasy and just went on and, and you know, essentially worked my way through it over a period of those seven days. Right, right, right. Um, Linda, we've only got a quick minute until we go to break, but other, you know, what, what do you say when a patient says, look, besides the drugs, fine, I'll take the drugs, or maybe I won't, I don't know, but what are some other natural things I can do to help manage this? I mean, we, we hear about ginger, we hear about uh, uh, other things. How do you talk to patients about that? Well, Bruce actually found one of the best strategies, which is light or moderate exercise, just staying just a little active. Um, people really have to watch what they're eating. Um, Foods that are spicy or fatty or have strong odors make things worse for patients who have nausea. Mm. Um, but things like ice chips or popsicles or um, cooling foods. Um, ginger has been shown in research studies to be an effective treatment against nausea. Um, some environmental things, fresh air, just mm. going outside and getting some fresh air or even a cooling fan. Mm. Um, acupressure bands, the same ones that you're local sailor uses yeah. for seasickness yeah. are actually effective you can and can be purchased at the local drugstore um, Bruce also did are those bands else. that people wear wet around the wrist or around their yes. mm-hmm. uh-huh. their acupressure acupressure wristbands okay um, Bruce did something else that I would file under the category of distraction so mm-hmm. not focusing on it mm-hmm. watching television talking to friends listening to music um, and then um, Available possibly at your cancer center or even with some assistance from the cancer support community are the more sophisticated techniques that require a trained therapist. Yeah, so Things we, like self-hypnosis or guided imagery. Right, right. So relaxation and visualization. Exactly. Guided imagery, some of those kind of mind-body techniques that also have some evidence behind them um, to manage different types, of, uh, different types of side effects, including in particular... Uh, nausea, and we also have some data around how some of those activities can help manage pain. Um, uh, this is Kim Tibaldo. Uh, I'm your host today on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about how to manage nausea and vomiting from chemotherapy. We're having a great conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, 
the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and I'm here today with Bruce Lantry. Uh, Bruce is a cancer survivor and a participant in the Cancer Support Community and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's online support group. Uh, we're also joined by Linda Miller, oncology nurse and oncology clinical educator at Georgetown University Hospital. We've been talking about uh, some side effects from chemotherapy, particularly about nausea and vomiting. As Linda said to us earlier, it's often referred to as CINV, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. We're talking about ways you can take control of this side effect when you're dealing with cancer, getting chemo as a treatment, um, how to take control, how to be educated, and how to even prevent uh, this side effect. Linda, in hearing from Bruce, and it's a, really, it's a, it's a, Bruce's is a wonderful story, and we love having folks on really talking about these amazing cancer survivorship stories, um, but it seems like he was really able to manage his nausea well. His team was very um, proactive and really got out in front of it, but uh, we know that some others maybe are not so fortunate. Why is it important for, for people to be educated about this to be proactive, to really work with the healthcare team and, and, and find ways to cope with the side effect. Well, Kim, at, as a very bottom line, nausea and vomiting can lead to dehydration, which can be a serious life-threatening problem. Um, it can also be a source of depression. So people who are nauseated don't feel like interacting with friends and family, and they you lose a valuable source of support. So... I think in the cancer support community, we like to talk about being proactive. Yeah. And you want to ask your doctor, what drugs am I going to get? Do they cause nausea? And then say, okay, what's the plan? Well, how are we going to prevent and treat that nausea? And once you hear the plan, you have to be sure that you understand it and you know when to take any medications that might be prescribed for you. Continuing to be proactive, if those medications aren't effective, Call your doctor and ask for something different. And um, explore some of those non-drug strategies that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Find out if there are any resources available to you, um, either at your cancer center, through your physician, or um, in a program like the Cancer Support Community. Yeah, yeah. And we mentioned earlier uh, before the break, Linda, the importance of thinking about um, uh, prevention and and really that... um, uh, that uh, you should talk to your healthcare team about trying to prevent the nausea and vomiting. That sometimes, if you wait until you're, you know, really in the throes of these symptoms, it's hard to get out in front of them, hard to manage them, hard to pull them back. Um, so, so again, to educate our listeners, should should folks who are about to start a chemo plan 
uh, talk to their doctor about that, talk about prevention, um, and, and talk about an anti-nausea plan? Absolutely. And just, once again, hammering home, this is not a one-size-fits-all category. So everyone's not going to get nauseated. You always want to be knowledgeable about your specific drug um, and make sure that the plan is appropriate to the drug that you're receiving. Um, there are so many different anti-nausea medications. Many of them work in different ways, so they're often most effective when we give them as a combination. Um, and ask your healthcare team to be sure and explain that plan to you. Why do I have three different meds? Right. Is it important for me to take them all together? Right. The other thing that um, you might want to do is ask if you fall into any category that makes you at particular risk for nausea because we know some people are unrelated to their drug, but just based on personal risk factors, some people are more likely to develop nausea. Um, From that nutritional perspective, always important to think about eating bland, easy-to-digest foods, crackers, toast. Some people before their chemotherapy, and Bruce, maybe you can tell us what you did, but some people like to eat lightly before chemotherapy, and others prefer to wait until after their treatment before they eat at all. What, What did you do, Bruce? How did you figure out that kind of eating plan for yourself? Well, and I, oddly enough, didn't have any problem either in loss of appetite or in what I was able to eat. Mm. So I didn't have to deal with that terribly much. We do tend to eat a fairly light breakfast as it is, and we were over here for each of the chemo treatments. We brought our camping trailer and stayed out at the lake, which I thought was more relaxing than being in a motel. Mm. And so I didn't do anything in particular, and the lunches were provided through the hospital here, mm-hmm. and they do have a very good cafeteria, and they were actually you know, more of a, a somewhat small meal, but a full meal. And I didn't have any trouble dealing with that, so I never really had to do anything special. Um, in fact, at home, I was the one who was cooking all the meals each week during chemo because yeah. my wife was at work. So I cooked all the dinners. So I guess it was my choice. Whatever was that, <laughs> I got to cook. Patient's choice. Patient's choice. Kim, so, if, I, if I can just add. Yeah, please, um, Linda. Um, I, I loved Bruce's form of relaxation of being out by the lake. Mm. It's perfect. And, and you'll definitely see as people are receiving their treatments, People will be reading or they'll be knitting or, um, thank goodness for the iPod, listening to their music, um, all of those things, although not quite as wonderful as being out by the lake, yeah. all of the, any of those things that you can do to try and relax before during the treatment. Yeah. Well, I think part of it during treatment, in our clinic here, they do provide you with televisions. They, unfortunately, do not provide you with humorous videos, which would be a great help. <laughs> So the noise level might get higher, but um, what I ended up doing, I brought a folding table in and worked homemade jigsaw puzzles and small jigsaw puzzles, and then I do knit. I knit lace, and so I, anything to keep my mind occupied did make a difference because it wasn't busy thinking about, I'm getting nauseous, do something. I was just simply ignoring it, so... Bruce, I think you could write a book on this. I, I, I'm thinking you don't need me here. <laughs> Bruce has got this down pat. You do, Bruce. I love it. I love it. Bruce, how far was that where you were getting your chemo from home? 110 miles. So 110 miles. Yeah, so you, so you just decided to, uh, we're going to take the camper over. We're mm-hmm. going to set up by the lake, not far from the hospital. 
And that's well, where you would spend a couple of days while you were getting your chemo? Correct. And I know one time I was out there and we were sitting eating lunch in a little cafe where they made dynamite hamburgers. Mm. And someone came in to pay their bill for the campground. It turned out she was a physician. And I mentioned we were out there while I was during chemo. And she looked at me and she said, oh, really? Like, you should be sick. And I said, well, I'm a lot less sick out here than I would be in a motel. So. Yeah, she, she, she couldn't imagine you were a patient. There you were with your camper and your cheeseburger. Yep. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, uh, you know, uh, Bruce, you, um, you said you kind of picked up your medication schedule closer to the end, uh, to the end of your treatment. Was that, was that through a conversation with your doctor or, you know, how, how did you, how did you kind of change your strategy with the medication? Well, as I say, I hadn't had enough trouble. I mean, I was nauseated and I, for like seven to 10 days and I just said, oh, well, that's the way it is and ignored it. But it did in those last two treatments get worse, and I did call the doctor, and they suggested just starting in with the medication. But I found in my case that I would take then one pill a day instead of one every six hours because I tend to be a person that medicines clear my system very slowly. Mm. You know, for allergy medicine, I can take one pill every four days instead of every so many hours. But at any rate, uh, it shut the symptoms down to where I could manage them again, and you know, if it hadn't, I would have then gone to the one every six hours, but I just, it, it worked, and so I let it go at one a day and then quit after the week when the nausea cleared my system. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that got you really through to the end of your treatment? Yes, it did, and I, like I said, that was, actually for me, other than the fatigue, the nausea was the most noticeable symptom that I did have, and I was given two drugs that are known for that. Yeah. So that's why they planned ahead, because the targeted drug, the rituxan, for most people doesn't produce nausea, but the other two chemo drugs do. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Linda, we're, we, we're going to a break in a minute or two, but you, you, know, you mentioned something earlier about being proactive, being educated, knowing, uh, knowing about your drug, um, and really making that treatment plan with your doctor. We, we, you know, we've had some folks say, oh my gosh, I started reading about the drug, and it says it can cause this and it can cause that. And it, I mean, we see in all these commercials on TV, it may cause, you know, all the following. They said, I just couldn't read it anymore. I just didn't want to know. But is this, is this something specific you should ask your doctor about to say, you know, are there, are there certain specific side effects that are more prominent where you should say to your doctor, is this drug going to cause me nausea and vomiting? And can we talk about incorporating, you know, kind of prevention into my chemo treatment plan? Absolutely. I, not, if, if there's nothing else that anyone takes away from today's broadcast is not all drugs cause chemotherapy, but yeah. they might cause other side effects. Yeah. So you should want to be really knowledgeable about which side effects you can anticipate with your particular drug and how they're going to be treated. And if your plan's not working, don't hesitate for a minute. Call your doctor, call your nurse, let them know you need something different, and if that still doesn't work, call them back and ask for something else. Mm-hmm. So just you just got to keep on top of it. You got to be your own advocate. Absolutely. And and that sometimes it's you know you're going to try something. It's not going to work. You're going to try something else, and you just need to keep on top of it. You need to know that you're not kind of bugging your doctor, or your healthcare team, or not being a nuisance to them by really being proactive and 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 keeping in touch with them. Especially not with a shelf full of medications. Many of them with different mechanisms of action. Many of them that are, work on different parts of the brain or different parts of the body. 
um, that we have to choose from. There are a great number of drugs, and you want the ones that are best for you. So we really have come a long way in managing this, this side effect, haven't we? I think it's one of the most dramatic advances that I've seen in cancer care in my career. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It really, really is um, it really is good to hear that. And I think it's so important for folks to know because I think people do from TV, from, from movies, and, you know, have that misconception that if you are going to get chemotherapy, you're going to experience really horrible, violent nausea and vomiting, and that's just kind of the way it goes. But for folks to really hear on the show today that that's not the case, it doesn't have to be the case, that we do, we've come such a long way in managing nausea and vomiting and preventing it, uh, in managing it, and we want folks to be um, knowledgeable about this, to be educated and to be proactive and make sure they're building uh, the prevention and treatment of nausea and vomiting into their, uh, into their treatment plan. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking today about managing uh, uh, nausea and vomiting as a result of chemotherapy. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shanka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experience Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. When your car starts to gasp and sputter, you take it in for a tune-up. But what about when you get tired and need help? Sounds like it's time for a life tune-up. Simple, straightforward advice and techniques to help inspire and guide you in weathering life's challenges and finding your true purpose. Each week, Lauren and Shore Slocum will give you the tools to tune up your life in a way that's easy and fun. Stop making excuses and live your life. Tune in to Life Tune-Ups, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and tune up your life today. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, 
Kim Chibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Chibaldo, and today we're talking about chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, uh, really one of the most prominent uh, side effects of chemotherapy. Um, we're offering tips and advice on how to cope with and prevent uh, these very common side effects from cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. We're joined by Linda Miller, oncology nurse and oncology clinical educator at Georgetown University Hospital, and Bruce Lantry, cancer patient and participant in the Cancer Support Community and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's uh, online support group. And I'm going to ask you in a minute about your uh, why you signed up for that online support group, Bruce, and and uh, what experience that has been for you. But, Linda, I just you mentioned something in the last segment I want to follow up on. You, sa- you, you said that, that uh, it's, it's the research is showing that certain characteristics can put individuals at greater risk for developing this nausea and vomiting. Tell, tell us about that. That's interesting. It's absolutely fascinating research, Kim. So what's been discovered is that the people who are at greatest risk for nausea are women rather than men, And we're not sure whether that's because women have experience with morning sickness. Mm. So, um, because that's another risk factor. Anyone? I guess we wouldn't know if men got morning sickness. Well, some of them supposedly do sympathetic. (laughs) (laughs) Empathetic morning sickness. (laughs) So, anyone who has a history of morning sickness or motion sickness, car sickness, is Mm -hmm. also at greater risk. People under the age of 50, and this is unique because we're always talking about the older population being at greater risk for things, but this is actually people under the age of 50 are more likely to experience nausea. No kidding. Um, Possibly because some of the um, neuropathways might be slightly less acute or sensitive as we age. Mm -hmm. Um, People who drink little or no alcohol are more likely to be nauseated than someone who has an extensive intake of alcohol. <laughs> That's an interesting one. And it's actually probably related to when we talked originally about why this happens, the mm-hmm. body's perception that there's a toxic substance yeah. Yeah. on board. Well, there's a lot of toxic substance on board if, you know. if you're a heavy drinker, right? Yeah. Were you um, opening, opening up some beers at the lake there, Bruce? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, actually, no. It was a terrible piece. So I was apparently vulnerable, but I guess, you know, being prepared helps. That's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, uh, the motion sickness piece of it, because that would, that it seems to come to mind. I think that's part of the whole thing we talked about is if the brain is anticipating something. Right, right. So if you have a strong history of being nauseated from from different experiences. Yeah. The, the final category is people who are anxious in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing about that is, is we, we kind of dose people based on their weight for their anti-nausea medications. But if you look at these factors, we ought to be taking those into consideration and giving someone who falls in these categories more medication. More medication. Interesting. And what about also managing their anxiety? Absolutely. Yeah. Taking that into consideration from the beginning. Right, right. Yeah, if they're they're a nervous... I mean, because, you know, I know our folks, you know, our therapists and folks at the cancer support community always say to me, whatever kind of person you are, that's the kind of person you're going to be with cancer. (laughs) You know, if you're a nervous Nelly and you get cancer, you're going to be a nervous Nelly with cancer. You know, if you're an information seeker, and you get cancer, you're going to be an information seeker with cancer. That we don't suddenly, you know, who we are as a person 
doesn't suddenly change when we get cancer. So we have to figure out a way to take who we are and navigate through the experience. Um, you know, Bruce, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that you've been participating in, in uh, online support groups, which are hosted by uh, the wellness community uh, and uh, now the cancer support community and uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Cancer support community has a partnership with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society to run uh, online support groups. We're particularly reaching a lot of folks who might not have a support group right in their backyard. But how did you hear about those groups, Bruce, and, and why did you decide to sign up for those? Well, originally I had been, actually, I think in the second month of treatment, I had heard through the Leukemia Society when I called to sign up for a first connection where I would be connected to someone who'd had my disease to talk yeah. to. Yeah. Um, she mentioned that there was a phone support group and with my aunt interested in joining it, which I did do. Yeah. And that was, you know, at that point once a month. And in this fall it was once a week for six weeks and then now once a month. And I asked her, called her up and talked to her one day, and I said, is there anything online in the yeah. way of support groups? And she mentioned that the Leukemia Society, and along with the wellness community and Jilda's Club, was going to be starting some. And so I went online and signed up for it and was able to start the uh, all-blood cancer support group in November. Yeah. I think I'm from a small rural community, and the, there was a cancer support group face-to-face one 10 years ago, but right now you can't get people to come out in the evening and the convenience of being able to stay home and sit in your pajamas and bathrobe and eat supper and yeah. talk or chat on the support group is, I think, quite nice. It doesn't matter if it's snowing outside. <laughs> Where do you live, Bruce? I live in southwestern Nebraska, and we live seven miles out in the country. And, you know, the closest support group is this same clinic 100 miles away. Yeah. yeah. And they don't get more than a couple people showing up sometimes, and it's just not worth the drive. So you were really able to connect. Um, you were really able to connect with these folks uh, online who were also experiencing different forms of leukemia and lymphoma and really get the support uh, and the connection that you needed with others who were having the same experience, Bruce? Yes, and I'm particularly since um, in the group that I'm currently in, one of the men who's in it, he's exactly what I have, mm-hmm. and he had it exactly one year ahead of me and went through exactly the same treatment. Yeah. And so, you know, for us to relate to each other is quite easy. Uh, it would be nice if we could get more members, and I think part of that is just people need to be let know. I mean, you know, it's just a matter of advertising to let people know this resource is there because I know a lot of people who have internet access wow. and who could handle a chat group and who live where there is no other support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and as you said, you're you're you know you're you're out there. You're in the country. You're in a rural area, and um, uh, you know, really don't have something right out your back door. Um, no, and I, we've tried to start a face-to-face group, and so many people's comment is, once we get through with the day, whether it's working or yeah. being at home, whatever, they yeah. don't want to go out again. Yeah, yeah. So this is, like you said, you can be in your pajamas having some dinner mm-hmm. and getting the support that you need. Um, yeah, because it isn't visual. They can't see what you're they wearing. They can't see what you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Text-based. Text-based. Yep. Um, you know, you guys have been wonderful. I just want to thank you so much for the great advice that you're giving, Bruce, I, I want to thank you for sharing your story today. It's been incredibly uh, inspiring, and we congratulate you on your one-year anniversary from your diagnosis and all the wonderful 
tips and advice that you've given our listeners today. And Linda, your, the information you shared has been so uh, so helpful. It's been it's been a great show. Um, I've got some resources for our listeners if you're really looking for ways to manage chemo induced nausea and vomiting. You can go to the Cancer Support Community's website at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, find information about everything we've discussed on the show today. Um, you can go to the National Cancer Institute's website. It's uh, cancer.gov. Um, you can also go to the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine, which is nccam.nih.gov. Um, we've got uh, the American Cancer Society at www.cancer.org uh, and Cancer Nausea, a site that is at www. CancerNausea.com. Remember, follow our show, Frankly Speaking About Cancer, on Twitter. Get the latest information on cancer in the news. Um, please also provide us with feedback, with feedback. Let us know what you'd like to cover in the future. Also, if you go to www.CancerSupportCommunity.org, you can sign up for those free online support groups that Bruce mentioned. Um, he's been participating. These are free groups. They're run by trained licensed therapists, and we welcome you to, to sign up. Um, we want to dedicate the show today to all of those doctors and nurses helping patients uh, cope with cancer and manage these, uh, these side effects. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Support Community.org.